the systems are also they're more resilient if they don't consist only of one type of system uh, if you think about biodiversity for example like if you take nature as an example there's also different types of systems there and it makes the system overall more resilient to external shocks so if we have also in water infrastructure that consists of different types of systems so we have like a centralized pipe network but also here and there decentralized neighborhoods Uh, this system will be overall more resilient. Welcome to Co-Water Voice. We voice critical views and marginalize aspirations within the water development sector. Co-Water is a postdoctoral research program funded by the European Union's Horizon 2020 Research and Innovation Program, Marie Skodowska-Kuri Action. Co-Water examines conflicts over water resources and water territories and seeks to understand the conditions of possibility for turning conflicts into civil society co-production. I am Pratimi Vidyatmi Putri, the University of Kassel in Witzenhausen. This is the third season of Quarter Voice. Let's talk about water in the city, urban water and the contestations around it. I have been questioning the impacts of modernity on the imagination of urban future as it cannot be separated from pro-growth agenda in the development. Now that we are facing increasing disasters due to climate change, along with the unprecedented scale of urban poverty and destructions of forests and rural villages in the global south, there have to be alternative ways to live in cities. In this season, a longer one until the end of the year, I have conversations with scholars who have actively been promoting new ways to approach the urban problems and highlighting in their research some genuine innovations. We also talk about different ways of organizing technical and technological matters for water management, in which citizens have more room to participate and help shape the future of their cities. I hope to resonate and echo the spirits carried in these conversations into the city I love, Jakarta. Kota ku Jakarta Kota Catherine Pakitzer is with us on this episode. She's a postdoc researcher at ERWA, the Swiss Federal Institute of Aquatic Science and Technology, where she investigates different pathways that lead to water regionalization. She's also a research associate at the South School of Management and Law in Switzerland at its Institute of Innovation and Entrepreneurship. On this episode, we speak about her recently defended PhD thesis at ETH Zurich about modular decentralized water technologies. A small correction in the conversation that Katrin mentioned about the rate of water connections in Switzerland was 89%. She would like to correct that it's actually 98%. Thank you and enjoy. Perhaps, uh, in a nutshell, would you please explain what was your 
PhD about. I attended the event and thanks a lot for inviting me to listen to it. Uh, rather than me summarizing, I guess it's better you tell us by yourself. So uh, maybe to start from the beginning, um, my PhD project was part of a bigger project, uh, was funded by the Swiss National Fund for uh, Education and Science, and um, it basically looked at the potential of modular decentralized water technologies in Switzerland. So it was yeah, examining if there could be a lead market potential, if we like in, in a sense of producing these type of technologies or even like using them within the country. And what I mean by decentralized modular water technologies, so modular is a type of decentralized water technology. So it really means um, like there are different varieties. It can be like a smaller grid of uh, connected water systems, or it could be no grid. So it's uh, like completely cut off of the pipe network system, the centralized pipe network system. And um, modular is a specific type of technology where it can be really mass produced. It's easily scaled up or down. And it can uh, also be easy checked, monitored with new technologies like smart technology sensors. It's easily adaptable to that. So it's a particular type of like high-end technology, I would say, um, that we were interested in. But I, it was not only that. In my, like I definitely look more broadly at, at the challenge of integrating any type of decentralized water technology. Uh, from a regulatory perspective. So if you have specifically, specifically a country like Switzerland, where like 89% of the people are connected to the centralized uh, water system infrastructure, how, how can we integrate these kind of technologies, especially if the laws are even mandating <laughs> that you are connected to the centralized infrastructure? So it was maybe these challenges, like, do we have to adapt laws, ordinances? Do we need new maybe forms of organization? Like, do we need to involve these people that will have these technologies in maybe their cellar or even in their household? So maybe we need to think about new forms and maybe we need to think about new monitoring strategies. Maybe we'll see the private companies that will take up certain tasks. So all these type of questions were yeah, part of my PhD uh, thesis, yes. But, but why you have to think about decentralized uh, water system? What is going on with the current one? Is it something, is it a new approach in the context of Switzerland, and are you talking also about only wastewater or 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 also clean water supply? Yeah. So the first, uh, the second part. Uh, yeah. Well, I focused on wastewater because um, it's actually easier to decentralize than uh, fresh water. Um, there is so much more regulations around fresh water recycling, for example. Yeah, it's it's far more regulated. There are also more social um, norms that are um, yeah, kind of forbidding it. Uh, why would wastewater, the stakes are lower. And also you with recycling wastewater, you can also affect fresh water supplies. So by using less fresh water, because you recycle wastewater, um, you can save still fresh water. And, and this way it's also yeah, a positive uh, effect for, for fresh water in the end. 
and so more specifically i was looking like how you ca how you can use like um wa reuse wastewater with these type of technology so closing loops um water loops so keeping the water more locally and reusing it instead of bringing uh, constantly new water to um to the city or to a household but really like making the most of the water that is already there so also um, that also involves rainwater. So like using the rainwater um, and the wastewater for different things in the household, like um, for watering the garden, like the, the, the treated wastewater uh, for the garden or like for the washing machine or for the sinks. So you can uh, keep the water longer without using more fresh water. And this is actually the reason why it's important because we have a shortage of fresh water and this will like globally and it will most likely also increase so we um, and especially in urban areas so i have to say that too i looked especially in urban areas because there is already half of world's population living there and this trend will even increase in the future and already half of the biggest cities in the world already experience water scarcity so we have to change how we use fresh water like in in, in switzerland i mean in most countries like you flush your toilet with fresh water and this is kind of insane if you think about that there is already this big water scarcity and yeah with climate change this can even increase um and um yeah from a system like this is only one side, so the growing population, growing urbanization, climate change that will change the availability of water. But on the other side, the systems are also less, like they're more resilient if they don't consist only of one type of system. So uh, if you think about biodiversity, for example, like if you take nature as an example, there's also different types of systems there and it makes the system overall more resilient to external shocks. So if we have also in water infrastructure that consists of different types of systems, so we have like a centralized pipe network, but also here and there decentralized neighborhoods, uh, this system will be overall more resilient. So this is also another reason to think maybe in Western countries, uh, like, well, do we have to build, uh, like, do we have to, um, yeah, make our centralized infrastructure long, like bigger, like, do we have to extend it to include maybe new neighborhoods? Or can we decentralize these neighborhoods and also use innovative water reuse technologies to, uh, yeah, save up more water in the city? You said that 89% of the urban uh, functions in um, cities there in the context of Switzerland are connected to centralized sewerage systems. Um, and these systems are under pressure due to um, higher level of uh, precipitation or there are also other kind of technical concern for, um, for decentralizing the wastewater management systems. So um, in, in most Western countries, and this includes also Switzerland, a lot of the infrastructure is put underground like in the mid 20th century. So this is built on scenarios with limited data. So um, they are often undersized or oversized. And if you consider the future, you also even now with more data availability, and maybe even more precise data, we can still not say how the world will change, right? We, we can't 100% definitely say 
that uh, yeah, like Zurich, for example, will expand uh, population-wise. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. And therefore, we should have infrastructure that is more flexible, that can adapt easily to these changing socio-environmental conditions. Um, so, um, yeah, this is one of the concerns. So it's a, like, and, and there's a window of opportunity because it is aging. So we, we can consider now, like, well, should we put another millions and millions of uh, Swiss francs into the system? Or can we maybe decide, oh, yeah, maybe this neighborhood, it, it is in need of renewal, but maybe we can think about other technologies and make the system overall more flexible. So these are the type of considerations. And yeah, I'm not saying that it's like, obviously like that it's wise to decentralize the whole systems because that would be also inefficient, but it's really about the moments like of this windows of opportunity where there is a question of renewal or if there's, for example, also new neighborhoods being uh, constructed. So why prolonging the, the system that is uh, already there and you have to put so many millions of like, uh, building longer pipe systems, if you can like think about new creative and potentially more sustainable technologies. I really like your answer. I think it's really uh, hit the main problems because at the moment, Jakarta is trying to build really a, a big networks of centralized uh, wastewater systems underground. I think it's, it's a good consideration to think about what consequence of this. I mean, like it, it makes sense, no? Like from a like it used to make sense to build like this really long pipe networks, right? Like it was a huge accomplishment of of humanity of societies, no? Like worldwide to to really um, like this way to to potentially have more hygiene to ensure better water quality. It was a huge um, advantage and also. Um, yeah, so yeah. important, I think, for development and anything. But now the world is changing and we're facing new problems, you know, like, and, and with, with these considerations, oh. uh, we shouldn't abolish the old system, but we should think how can we make it more resistant, more flexible. And I think this, as you said, you no, know, like this concerns any place in the world, basically. Yeah, yeah. So, so this is not a, a particular Western problem, I would say. In, mm. in Western countries, the, the issue is that you have already infrastructure in place that is aging and then it's super big. And now you have to deal with it while maybe in other countries, uh, like if you see, for example, India or like, uh, um, yeah, like we have some, some some people like from other teams that looked at uh, at India like there are certain places where you can you have really like almost like a green field you can really think creatively like and e install the decentralized systems from the beginning so this is another situation right but in most places in the world there is some sort of infrastructure in place and you have to think like how can I make prepare it for the future basically yeah mm -hmm. you speak about windows of opportunities no? in mm -hmm. the context of switzerland who have been perceived as the main agencies for these transformations in in the in your research or on the research uh, in your team um i would say it's a mix of uh, actors uh, like definitely universities play a huge role in this 
but it's not only that it's also really citizens um, this is like an interesting phenomenon i would say it's not so much a political like like political actors pushing <laughs> like hard for for change but it's more like um yeah communities like sustainable communities or cooperatives housing cooperatives that um, try to um, yeah experiment more with with uh, sustainable approaches. So usually, like what is interesting, it's more embedded in a broader context of how can we create more sustainable cities or housing, and water is a part of that. So it, it entered the agenda with all these considerations of how we can make more livable cities, more sustainable housing, uh, and because of that pressure, because more and more actually also housing cooperatives, but also obviously individuals that are very passionate about these topics, um, they they put pressure because more and more, um, yeah, like public servants and departments had to deal with it. So like, how do we deal with these infrastructure, like this, these technologies that are not actually considered in, in any laws or ordinances? And um, yeah, I think that's why it it kind of became more an issue um, for for political actors as well. And uh, we we did like in, uh, like throughout my research, we did some workshops with uh, stakeholders. So this involved like for example, um, yeah, public servants working for the um, regional or state level, but also people who were who are involved in. And the water utilities, so like working for the utilities or also uh, technology producers. And uh, really, when we started <laughs> this project, like four years ago, I would say the people were so critical. Like they were like, oh, we have the best system already in place. We invested so many millions, like it's working, like we should maybe look at other countries, but not Switzerland. And throughout the years, like because Switzerland actually witnessed some some really intense summers and droughts and there was like the military involved like flying water to the alp regions all of the sudden although switzerland is considering itself the water castle of europe and all of the sudden even here we experienced some some water scarcity and you could see like over the years over this even short period of four years the the, the mindset of the people changed. They were more open towards the end to talk about these issues. And they were like really considering like, well, what are the the barriers to to, to really implement these technologies? While before they, they didn't even want to talk about that, like as a possibility, like in Switzerland. So I, I see like, yeah, it's, it's the pressure from bottom up from people that want these type of technologies, but it's also the overall maybe mindset that is changing with like just observing what is happening in the world and in Switzerland even here. Did you involve particular case studies in your research? I think you also work closely with a uh, housing cooperative. Yes, I, I had multiple um, case studies, but uh, I, I, I did, I wrote an article on, on one one case study in particular here in Switzerland, uh, like the others were uh, in other countries. But in, uh, like in, in regard to Switzerland, I looked at a housing cooperative that is called Equilibre in Geneva. And they are what you could consider the most successful actor when it comes to implementing these type of decentralized or modular water technologies. Um, just for the fact that they have already like three completing housing projects where they have technologies that are um, yeah 
you could consider unconventional. Like they are still connected because as I mentioned, no, like it's impossible to disconnect from the decentralized system right now, but they still wanted to implement their decentralized technology. So what they did, they have like this connection to decentralized sewage system as a backup, but they're not necessarily using it just to like fulfill the legal requirements. And they have, and they use like the decentralized water technologies in, in, the, in their buildings. And um, yeah, they kind of um, also have the, 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 the city or the, the canton of uh, like, it's a city state, uh, Geneva. So um, both you could consider like favorable of this in developments, like there is, um, they, they really s support this development in the sense that they, for example, also, yeah, like they, you have to pay a fee for for connection so they lower the fee and what they have to pay because they are not using the the the, the connection necessarily so uh, there's kind of some political goodwill that you can detect here <laughs> and uh, yeah and what is also interesting about this housing cooperative so like they definitely had the political actors also on their side or they could convince them of their ideas but they also experiment with different technologies so each of the housing projects already has different different technologies installed and um, yeah and they have already multiple more housing projects plans and um, planned and they also are very active in the sense that they um, yeah they they give talks they uh, visit other housing like housing cooperatives come to them to to learn from them but they also travel like they have um, like good connections in Germany and France so they really building this network and yeah I think they're pretty much a lighthouse project what can be done in Switzerland, even under this kind of restrictive regulatory situation. And yeah, I think, um, yeah, it's a really interesting case. What was the reaction from policymakers, like urban planners and of Geneva and, and this, the water utilities? Uh, what kind of cracks in the system of this conventional uh, water governance that they found productive to 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 uh, further uh, for, uh, push forward their approach of this housing cooperatives I mean I didn't interview the the water utilities but um, what I know from the housing cooperative they have like just a really close contact to the person that works in the water department and this person is completely supportive like he wants them also to uh, experiment with these technologies and i think it's a smart way you know like uh, for political actors because the stakes are lower like you are not responsible directly for experimenting with these technologies where people could be like angry oh why is the state involved in that or why is this government like been paying money for it no it's the people they they have their own funding basically they they yeah there's some deal with uh considering the the fees and stuff like that but this is minimal right it's still like an experiment by the people for the people you could say and they just kind of like support it in the sense that they don't stop it or they just don't hinder it so i think it's a it's a smart way of 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 political actors to support these kind of technologies it's kind of experiments because yeah like they don't have so much to lose but to gain because they can profit from the knowledge they can profit from the experience and potentially if it works if it's a success story and so far it looks like a success story 
um, they can take this model and apply it anywhere else in their city or even like, yeah, um, have a reputation of a leading leading city, uh, which can also potentially be interesting for other areas throughout Switzerland, but also, yeah, in France or Germany or wherever. And um, yeah, I think another thing is also the, the point that there's really a huge like housing cooperative culture there. So there's lots of housing cooperatives. So this is also a point that it is a housing cooperative. It's not individuals that have these crazy ideas, but it is kind of more embedded and it's more people behind it. So it has already some some power in itself. And also um, I, th I think the third reason like why political actors were supportive and not really fighting these ideas is that it's a really green um, minded uh, city states so like if you look in past elections if you look at the referendum referendums that were conducted in switzerland people overall have like a really green mindset and vote for the green uh, political parties so I think like this kind of, they know that with these kind of uh, supporting these kind of ideas is is a is a good look for them, right? So it's it's showing that they support sustainable actions in the city and um, yeah, at a low cost for them, basically. My next question, perhaps a bit provocative in the sense of um, state citizen relations. So then, what imply in your um, answer was that there there is less responsibility at the shoulder of government. But then in the longer term, would it be a burden for the housing cooperative when, when the system failed or their increase of construction price or other kind of um, problems attached to these technologies? And uh, the investment at the beginning, for example, how, how the housing cooperatives have money for paying this new technologies and uh, how how the cost was distributed and the initial cost that used to be at the shoulder of government then now is shifted to the housing cooperative or i completely agree with it it's 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 model not working uh, that is not going to work anywhere, right? Like you have to have the fundings for it. And I also have to say that, um, so I interviewed in particular the project managers of the housing cooperative. So they like even have a small bureau that is just kind of, yeah, dealing with new ideas concerning sustainability or even like choosing technologies. And these are people who are architects, environmental engineers, they have also contact. So they can potentially do a lot themselves. They can, uh, or they have good contacts. They can get things at a maybe different price. So um, yeah, they have kind of uh, a different starting situation maybe from other housing cooperatives. So I also definitely like in this case, like I think they had the funding because obviously they have lots of people that are gonna like it's it's carried by everyone so it's a really a community project in that sense so everyone that is um yeah wants to move in in this house carries that cost with them but obviously that that won't work everywhere and I and this is also what they recognize no so uh, when I was interviewing them they were clearly stating that there has to be more like um 
federal funding pot or, or anything like that that supports this kind of initiatives and helps them to fund maybe these type of technologies because uh, yes as, as I said they had more costs technically because they have to have the connection to the centralized uh, sewer system and built the technology so it's not uh, yeah, they, they have more costs per se. So in this case, yeah, as I already mentioned, they had this fees reduced and everything like uh, they are, there is potential <laughs> to, to um, I, I think in the long term, you have to find a, a more yeah, comprehensive solution, right? Like on this, in this case, it's really like by project, they decide like what they're gonna do. Like this, the city state is kind of deciding like, oh yeah, in this case we reduce the fees, but overall it needs like a more comprehensive, more maybe even federal solution, creating these kind of funds that support initiatives that want to um, use these technologies. And then it's also maybe less the responsibility of the people, but more uh, a shared responsibility in the end, right? Like, and I, I wouldn't say that it's, uh, completely gonna go towards the people in the end because there's, I mean, water is so highly regulated. No, like the this, the, the 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 government is never gonna give away completely the responsibility for it. So, um, I also think you have to have the water utilities in the long run on board. Like I actually. Uh, with my supervisor wrote an article on that how water utilities in Switzerland should prepare for that how they but they, how they also should be considered right they should be on board they should be uh, part of this discussion and in the long run they have to build up the capabilities to uh, yeah maybe work with cooperatives together and develop more new monitoring services like for also decentralized technology so that it's more equal and it's more clear how the responsibilities are shared it's a it's an article that is going to be for a practitioner uh -huh. uh, okay. journal here in switzerland um we wrote it particularly for the swiss audience you could say it's going to be in german and everything so it's uh -huh. it's really targeting it's it's, uh -huh. it's actually the journal that water utilities practitioners would read okay <laughs> so it's right. kind of like really uh, a call to action like okay. uh, don't don't wait until the situation uh, developed so far that you are overrun by the developments but kind of create capabilities right now and maybe work together with these kind of housing cooperatives to to um yeah be prepared for what's to come maybe you know to imagine the scale of this uh, housing cooperatives, the building blocks that they are dealing with in one location, how many households are in there? This I don't know by heart, but I mean, they have always more people. There are more members in the cooperative that they have actually housing ready. For sure, yeah, I mean, they, they have a lot of people interested living in these <laughs> in these places and it's usually also social housing so um, this is one of the things that is also particular about Geneva that um, yeah a lot of these housing cooperatives they they follow a certain um, key who can live there right so they want to have families but they want to have elderly they want to have uh, people of low income but also some people maybe with higher income so it's a really mix of habitants and not really just just 
I don't know, only rich people or only, I don't know, uh, only um, families. So it's really a mixture of people. Thanks that you talk about the very close relations between housing and water mm -hmm. uh, sectors. When you talk about policy sequencing in your thesis, uh, is it a kind of policy instrument that work for bridging intersectoral planning and management or, or it's it's a term that, that is more general or even more specific? I mean, policy sequencing, basically, the, the idea behind it is that if you face wicked problems, which is, for example, climate adaptation, right, creating more uh, um, sustainable cities, then you maybe should not adapt all the policies at once, but sequence them over time and space. So what that means is maybe uh, you need different type of policies in the beginning of a project than in the end. And you might also need to consider different, different levels of governance. So the local, regional, national, international level. And uh, as policies are there, there are sometimes even trade-offs between policies or conflicts. And all of these things are considered in this kind of type of intentional policy sequencing, because we can also differentiate from uh, unintentional. So there's like, for example, policy development. It can, it can become something else than it started out to be in the beginning. So we, we see like a transformation of the policy over time. But like in this paper in particular, I was interested in intentional sequencing, like almost like strategic to ensure that uh, in this case, decentralized water reuse technologies will be installed. And in the cases that I looked at, it, it kind of was a tool to, um, yeah, cut across silos, organizational silos. Um, but it was mostly because I would say, like in the two very successful cases, um, that I looked at, it was water utilities that used also policy tools to bridge certain silos. So they were really the actors that were aware, like, ah, if we want to experiment with these type of technologies, we want to, or we want to implement them in the larger scale, we have to bring people together. So they used policy instruments and they used them wisely. They also built like, for example, uh, yeah, demonstration projects in the beginning. So uh, this is um, also like a policy tool to convince actors maybe, ah, these technologies work. And then they have like strategic meetings with people. They, they get involved in certain regulatory processes. So um, yeah, interest, I, I think it, it doesn't ha have to be um, a tool for crossing this organizational silos, but it definitely can be. But it really depends on the actor and how probably strategic they think about about this whole process of uh, yeah implementing such unconventional technologies. Well, right now they're still unconventional, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, and I, but I think it, this is um, yeah true for for different things, right? Like whenever you can expect that something is unconventional in terms of innovation or technology and that it meets a lot of people and time to implement it, 
then you should maybe consider to sequence your policies just to maximize your effect and to make sure that everyone is on board and that you kind of reduce the barriers that you might expect throughout the way. Uh, I'd like to close this conversation, but I ask too many of uh, the people I interview um, what you think about Uh, research in in the the field of water sector. What would you, as a researcher, think of um, a pressing research agenda? Maybe I can say it like that. I think like one problem that I encountered repeatedly is that water is not on the top of the mind of, of Like, you know, they, they, they think of, uh, ener of the energy sector or, um, yeah, I don't know, like other sectors uh, that are more pressing right now. But the, the water is kind of always like lacking behind or it's just in the back of the mind as, a, as an issue. But it's not really up front. The, the reason for that is obviously that there's maybe um, yeah the political actors are, are interested right now in other stuff but um, because of that I think like what could be an interesting research question or research field is to look at bottom-up movements I, I think this was really like like this really surprised me like in the beginning because obviously like for example if you take a country as Switzerland you see oh there's not much going on You know, like if you just look from a national perspective, you would be disappointed <laughs> as a water researcher. You would be like, what should I do here? <laughs> But then you go down and you see from the bottom up that people are pushing for it. And I think this is kind of like a way how this topic will become more relevant. It can come up to the political agenda. If we see more and more social movements, we see um yeah housing cooperatives we see we 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 as researcher we can lend them more voice um by by researching uh their activities seeing how they can be supported and uh, by that maybe have like a scaling effect right to to make this uh come more to the front and to um yeah become more important overall and another thing is that what i also experienced throughout my research is that um There are good ideas out there, but how how can we connect them and how can we move forward? So we have lighthouse projects all over the world, basically, concerning decentralized water technology. So we have some in, in US, we have some in Australia, Japan, uh, but like how do we move on from that how can we learn from all these different projects considering that they have different context conditions right so they have different political systems they have different history culture but like how, how can we come like connect these this, this learnings that we have from them and move forward so that we don't kind of reinvent the wheel over and over again but we can really progress in a sense, no? So we can really see the scaling up. So I sometimes see, you know, like this kind of gap between experimentation and real implementation. If, if there's like future researchers that kind of like uh, think about creative ways, how, how to move on, how to identify what is stopping like these learnings and experiences from, from growing to something real, And um, yeah, how we can really like combine also learnings from different areas of the world um, 
without losing uh, the complexity of cases. I think this is uh, this would be also a, a huge contribution to to water water research. Thanks, Katrin. That's really, really interesting insights from you.